Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. It's part two. You're very welcome back to the big interview with me, Graham Hunter, talking to Budvine Zenden. He's currently back at his very first professional club, PSV Eindhoven, as one of the coaching staff. Sometimes these interviews focus on the person across the table from me, or on the other end of a Zoom call in this case, but occasionally we find somebody else to talk about. Bolo Zenden and I have a colleague in common, somebody I've been working with for a film project and who Bolo played and party with in Eindhoven at the end of the 1990s, Ronaldo Nassario. Coming up, what this Brazilian genius was like in that blistering early spell in Holland, and why it's hard to hide him in a carnival crowd, no matter how good the disguise. Thank you, hugely thank you, to Budavine Zenden and to Sanne Clements at PSV for setting up this interview. I hope they'll feel satisfied with it. I hope I get this quality of interview again every time, and I hope you enjoy it. Do me a little favour, if you do enjoy it, tell people please with the ratings, the stars, wherever you get your podcasts. But better still than that, If you enjoyed it, do the generous thing that a friend or a family member should do. Say to people, here, have a listen. Listen. Let's spread the joy. Let's not walk too far away from Ronaldo. The short, the short spell that you had with this, I mean, 
one of the most beautiful footballers ever. Without the injuries, maybe people will be arguing he was the best footballer ever. He's certainly, to my taste, to my taste, the best striker I've ever seen. The things he could do, but then you get near him and he's an extraordinary person in almost every aspect. Just give us some insights as to your fun with that young guy in your training ground, your dressing dressing, uh, room and your team. Well, um, I don't know where to start and I don't know where to end because you're you're fully spot on where... So, two different worlds, right? This... I'm coming from the youth, so I'm 17. I'm coming from the youth. I was just top scorer in the national uh, league with uh, Ajax and everybody, and I was moved up to the first team. Then there's this kid coming from the other side of the world. Well, not really, but you know what I mean. Comes from Brazil, where he just won the World Cup. He didn't feature, but it was 94. He won the World Cup. So he comes in and just lands in Eindhoven, Compare Eindhoven to uh, uh, Rio. I mean, uh, it must have been a, a, a big, a big shock. And he comes in and he has this massive smile on his face. Of course, didn't speak the language. But for me, his first game where he showed the class he's had was in a European game when we played by Leverkusen. The five-four game. And he scored three goals. He 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 just did basically everything on on his own. It was like, okay, so this is really something special. I think even in one of the first interviews, the, the, the journalist asked, okay, so yeah, you're Ronaldo, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're a striker, yeah. So how many goals are you going to score? And he said, yeah, 30, 32. <laughs> and they started laughing and, and he was like, okay. And he didn't understand why people were laughing. And then in the end, of course, he scored 33 goals or something <laughs> or 34. It was like goal scoring was natural to him, you know. Uh, if you compare two players, if if you uh, Ronaldinho is a lot of um, don't 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 please don't take me wrong. It's a lot of circus, you know, like a lot of trickery. But Ronaldo wasn't about the trickery. Ronaldo was more like one on one, two v one, three v one. It didn't matter. He was so quick, agile, with the ball close to his feet. He had an acceleration. You think, okay, this this would suit uh, F1, you know. Besides that. Uh, a chance would be 99% goal. He would use his pace to run in behind the defenders. And besides that, he was so friendly. Such a nice guy. Of course, he didn't like the running. I mean, who does? But he was a guy that, even though maybe he did something wrong once, you wouldn't get mad at him because he wouldn't do it really on purpose, you know. Uh, He was so friendly, generous. Um, I stayed in a very small uh, apartment. I rented it, but then I got a little bit of the possibility to buy an apartment. So I bought literally uh, one one bedroom apartment, but it was actually in the same building as Ronaldo. But of course, Ronaldo was in the penthouse. <laughs> the elevator landed right in his living room. Uh, that was the big the big difference. So we spend a lot of time together. He's from the twenty second of September. Yeah, you're only a month apart, right? A month apart. Uh, when he came, I had a little book called, uh, yeah, let's call it uh, uh, Portuguese for Dummies. So I tried to communicate with him. I did go to uh, Spanish lesson, lessons. Um, so we were really close. We spent time together. As I said, we had lunch together. We stayed in the same building. 
but of course he's from a totally different era. Um, funny thing is, I'm from Maastricht, and Maastricht is well known for carnival. So what do you think? Of course, I invited Ronaldo with his uh, dad, I think, and he had a friend called Cesar. Uh, he took, I took them to to Maastricht for carnival. But of course, he's well known. So I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Um, you know, he needs to get dressed up. So I got him a, a suit, like like a clown, you know, with a wig. And I, I painted his face, uh, I think it was white, and then, of course, something with a red nose. But as soon as he smiled, everybody recognized him, of course, because it's such a big smile. And then he had the gap, he had the gap between his teeth. And then, I mean, but even then still, he was so nice, generous. He's always in for an autograph or whatever. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, playing alongside him, but also being around him. Because, as I said, there was nothing that I could actually uh, say negative about his personality. And for such a big player to be like he is or was, I think it's really rare that um, that has happened. And also, he had these R9 shoes from Nike, and, and I also played on Nike, and then I think um, uh, I was the only player who was allowed to play on his shoes, because they were literally only for him. And I think on the World Cup, uh, or the Euros 2000, or the World Cup 98, I played on the same, yeah, similar shoes. But also, you played him in the semi-final. I was there that night, that that roasting hot night with the the one-one draw and the penalties and where well, we should have had a penalty. You mean? I know you should. I was there. I if saw there was it. a VAR these day, those days, mm, who knows? And I don't suppose there was anything in you that night with that brutal disappointment that that could say that night. I'm glad it's Ronaldo going forward. But little did you know that. You know, one of the most extraordinary things in in world football history was going to happen, whereby, I mean, as much as you deserved a penalty that night, and as much as the shootout could have gone the other way easily, um, who knows in a shootout, Brazil going forward, uh, until that point, they played some pretty beautiful football, particularly against Denmark in Laudrup's last game in Nantes. And the 4-2 against Chile, it kind of looked as if Brazil maybe would add another title. France hadn't been that exciting, if you remember well, particularly in 0-0 draw against Paraguay. And the night before, you know, okay, it's in the film that we know what he thinks happens. Um, But he has whatever kind of fit he has. He he, he doesn't get selected for the final. Then he does. Mundo's dropped again. He, He... why him, man? Of, of all people, to be left that night... He also had a big bang with Barthez. Yeah, which his timing wasn't right. He, You know, the, the hangover of whatever happened to his physique and, his, and the fright that his mentality gave, I'm not sure he should have played, but it just felt like one of the saddest incidents in world football that... Good luck to Stan, good luck to France. It was an extraordinary... Later on, later on I played with Marcel um, Desailly, and Emmanuel Petit at um, Chelsea. And uh, Marcel also said, said, listen, we were really, I wouldn't say afraid, but we were worried to play the Dutch in the final. So when we got beat by Brazil, with all due respect, I think France was a little bit more relieved because we also played very nice football. No, it was a beautiful team. It was a beautiful team. So I wonder whether, I won't guide you, but our sponsors, Petrusis 5, also asked us, goalkeeper, defender, midfield, attacker, you, Abolo, can only choose one for each position. 
Who are the best players in each position that you've played with or maybe even your dream player? One goalkeeper, one defender, one midfielder, one attacker. I wonder if Presidente Nassario makes that, that four or not. You, you've got lots to choose from. Yeah, there's, there's literally there's too many to choose from. It's really hard. And sometimes when I have to make these lists, I would say, OK, I, I, I will only choose the Dutch because then, you know, it, it minimizes the choices. Um, but as a goalkeeper, I would then put in uh, Edwin van der Sar. Uh, I think it's a logical choice. As a defender, I have to admit that <laughs> the, the guy you visited in Zwolle uh, is, is, I mean, at his... Of course, we talk about all the players in the prime. Uh, Yapi was like a beast in the back. You wouldn't like to play against him. Yapi actually came to PSV because our right back was injured. Now... He came to PSV from Willem II and started as a right back. So I had to play Yapi. And thinking, you know, here this tank comes along, <laughs> along the line. And I mean, you can try to stop it, but it just goes over you, you know. I'm thinking, oh, I hope. So I really hoped at the time that the fullback that was injured got back sooner than later. So that then Yapi would go back to the center. Because uh, I didn't like to play against him. Um, then midfielder, yeah, it's... Um, well, let's say up front, it's obviously Ronaldo. And then I still have to choose one one midfielder. And as I said, on the sides, there have been so many good midfielders. Uh, but but like in the middle-middle, I, I find it hard. But there were three that, that I had to choose from. That I think that I have to choose from. That Steven Gerrard... Uh, Oh, I'm almost going to say four now. You see, you make it too hard for me. I apologize. You had Frank Lampard, you had Xavi Alonso, and then you had Xavi Hernandez. Well, you choose one of the four, and I don't think you can make a mistake. If I want to play, obviously, on possession, then maybe Xavi Hernandez, but also Xavi Alonso would do the trick going forward. Steven Gerrard from the middle, bombing on, you know, being there all the time. Lampard scoring the most goals ever in the Premier League as a midfielder. Do I really have to make choices out of these? I'm in charge of the rules. All four of them are in. That's it. All four of them are in. Particularly seeing as you named Xavi Hernandez, who has superseded Johan Cruyff to be my favourite footballer of all time, including Messi. I don't care. Xavi is like, it's just watching him was just pure joy. But we go again, if you talk about personalities, he's also a lovely guy. He's extraordinary. He's extraordinary. And also what I watch happening, and, and this is why it's a joy to speak to you, I love footballers, football people, sports people too, who couldn't just, because there are some people who can do it, there are some people who can do it and understand the strategy of why they're doing it, what they should do, and then there's a third category of those who can do it, who understand it, and who can communicate it and explain it too, and Xavi fits in that category, and I, I wouldn't care if it was Barcelona he was working for, or Adelaide in Australia. The, the truth is, this is a guy who's going to make football exciting, clearer, more enjoyable. And there's going to be lots of little chavy disciples going out all around the world for the next 20 years, just like there were from Johan Cruyff, my favourite, the, the most important man there's ever been in the history of football for all that he brought to us. And it's like seeding something in a farm. You could say Cruyff did the same with Guardiola, and then Guardiola did again the same a bit with Xavi, and then it probably goes on. Before the rest of this big interview, 
I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss let me change the the tack as we come into the last part of the interview I'm interested about your your work with Rafa Benitez him, him coaching you when you had such bad luck such tough times with injury but and then recruiting you into a, a difficult situation at Chelsea where you, you combined and you won a trophy, a big trophy, with an extraordinary final against Benfica. I know that getting there is a long uh, haul and taking over in November in the middle of a season with a tough mentality squad. Why did you two... And I've known, I know Rafa individually. I've interviewed him a dozen times. I've watched him closely. And there's no escaping the fact that he's extraordinary in his, in his detail, in his understanding of how to train and coach and develop and the strategy for a game. He's very talented. There's also no hiding, and he doesn't hide, from the fact that he's, he's not an emotive guy. He's not a guy who builds a core of people around him and then keeps them forever because there's a big turnover of people who move on. And he doesn't really need the player to be warm with him. And we've spoken about a lot of warm people in our in our conversation so far. So why Bolo and Rafa? Why does it work? And what did he ask of you when you joined his, his coaching setup? I played under Rafa at Liverpool. Uh, he took me into the club. Um, yes, I had a bad spell where I had a crucial ligament injury. 
which took me out. Normally, crochet is nine months minimum. I did five. I worked six days a week, uh, one day off. It was a risk, but it was worth taking, I think. That was my first year when I got injured myself. I think it was against Seville in the Champions League. Then um, I already at the time had sometimes talks about it, uh, uh, being being a, being a coach, being a manager. He would stand next to me and he would ask me questions, you know, about what do you see now? And then maybe I would say, well, players training or having a pass. I'd say, yeah, but what, what kind of groups do you see? You see, like, it was more talking about, okay, the helicopter view. Um, then uh, in the second year, I had another injury, of course, uh, which, which which didn't help with my uh, exterior uh, meniscus ligament, um, but I got I got back up and I think f- for for him I was more an international player because I think I played every single game in Europe and then I would do really well on a Wednesday but then not play on a Saturday when we played Stoke for example. So I guess that he you know he had his players that he moved around he had a he had a solid I would say a solid five players and then the other four five he would just uh, rotate so yes at a time when he was the manager at, at let's say towards me as you say he was not really warm I don't think he makes a friendship with the player because he just makes decisions and he wants to keep that friendship maybe aside but then coming to the end it, it, we had an honest talk about extending the contract yes or not because I signed a two year deal and I was running out and we had a proper, uh, call it man-to-man discussion, and then he left it to me. And I decided then um, I wasn't convinced that the, my best option was to stay. So I left for Marseille. But during the time that I was gone, uh, we kept contact because he, he, he definitely, how do you say this, he appreciated my opinion, he appreciated my professionalism, um, so if he was interested in a player, he would call me and would ask me, uh, what does he like? Uh, how does he train? What does he do? Uh, what, so, you know, so we kept this kind of relationship. And then um, obviously he got an, a possibility to be the manager. And he, he told me that um, would it be interested in being an assistant manager. And, I th- and then I thought, OK, also then there and then it depended where it was and how it was going to be like. And then it turned out to be Chelsea. Um, for me, that was also like coming home. I already, I uh, still had my uh, apartment in London. Um, I knew obviously people at the club. I knew players at the club. So Benitez was also interested obviously in me because I had this relationship with Chelsea. I made a choice to join him for that um, for that year. And uh, we, uh, as you said, we, we entered when it was difficult. And in the end... I remember the last week of the season, uh, we played semi-finals in the FA Cup against Manchester City. If we would have won it, we had a big problem because it meant we had to play four games in the last week. Four games in the last week. Um, and we also played then the... Um, so we finished third in the league, which was very important for the club because they the only thing they were interested in was actually uh, finishing top four to be secured of Champions League uh, football <clears throat> the next year. And uh, we managed to win the uh, Europa League in, in Amsterdam against Benfica, which, by the way, was probably one of our worst games. But um, we, uh, we managed to win it. Uh, so in the end, yeah, we, we uh, split our ways. 
and I moved back to Holland and did um, uh, coaching courses with the federation and joined PSV reserve team as an assistant manager. But I, I guess you, you have to be satisfied with you know that early and I want to say thanks to James Fouracres, our social for for posing that subject to 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 start so abruptly to start in the middle of a season, even though you knew the club and you were liked and respected, coming into a dressing room like that with a manager like Rafa, with a dressing room that I'm not certain would have been completely sure about him, a club that he was very critical of when they were trying to lure Gerard away. Coming in like that, staying third, going far in FA Cup, winning a trophy, that needs to rank as... I imagine as some satisfaction for you because you know what you're doing now is more about a club with a structure with support using your talents in a longer way that it's just SAS parachuted in every decision every day more or less has to be right yeah but I have to be honest all the pressure was on Rafa that wasn't on me and I think all the criticism that was there was on Rafa this was feeded by press because it was a story also me, I played semi-finals with Liverpool against Chelsea. As Liverpool, we won uh, on a penalty shootout and it took us to the Champions League final against AC Milan. So uh, maybe back in the days there wasn't a rivalry, but certainly just before that, there was a lot because it was le- nearly year after year that uh, in, in either the FA Cup or in the Europe, the path of the two clubs crossed. And that always brings a certain yeah, rivalry becomes bigger. So then for Rafa to, 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 to make this step was always going to be a difficult one. And uh, by the way, we also lost the final of the World Cup against the Corinthians, 1-0. So all in all, it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't an easy season, to say the least. But I also think when uh, Chelsea signed Rafa... The, the immediate tag that was put on was interim. And for me, that's always difficult. Basically, you're already lost because everybody knows it's temporary and someone else will come in and take over. So th- I don't think that makes it easy for any manager to step into a job. This is my argument about what an achievement it was. So look, we're going to close um, now uh, because I'm respectful and I'm not going to push and push and push for time, but... Um, first of all, good luck with... We didn't get the chance to talk about that extraordinary title you won with PSV fighting off Feyenoord and the, the two matches, the 7-2 and the 0-0. We didn't get that chance. Maybe that's for another day. Good luck with PSV for the moment. Goodbye, Schmidt, in due course. Welcome, Finistroy. Good luck with the development of Gakpo. Um, but if you'll allow me, I'm going to close with one of our socios sent in this question, Shane Hurley. And Shane says, this is specifically for Bolo, a league winner with PSV and Barca, Cups with Chelsea, Borough, the, the man who won the only cup in that, in that history. You can tell us about the pressure of the penalty if you want, man of the match. But Shane says, Cups with Chelsea, Borough and Liverpool, some very demanding fan bases. Where did you feel the most pressure to achieve silverware? And which of all your titles... Uh, and we've forgotten Young Player of the Year in Holland in 97, which of all your titles brought you the most joy? If you have to put everything together in one place, I think Barca was the most demanding. Um, Why? I guess it's because just winning isn't enough. 
It has to be good. With good football. Uh, you cannot win a trophy with bad football. Um, a draw is like a lost. Um, I remember that I came from Barca to Chelsea and our first home game we drew against Newcastle United and I had to walk from the um, from the stadium to the car park. And I was thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? Because we just drew. And then I met people and said, okay, well done. Uh, maybe it helped that I scored the only goal. But uh, they said, oh, well done, no worries, son, we'll get him next week. I'm thinking, okay, well, did this wouldn't, I mean, imagine drawing the, the, the opening game of the season with Barca. So, yeah, for demanding trophies, I think Barca, of course, I've been with Barca when I think we were second in the league, semi-finals in Europe, semi-finals in the Cup, and it was enough to sack the manager. So I think that, that, that comes with the club. And then trophies, yeah. How can you choose between your children? <laughs> yes. I mean, come on, a trophy is a trophy. You, you, you enjoy all of them. And also some, some didn't go down well. So for example, if, if, if you talk about a semi-final in uh, the European Championships or a semi-final in the, in the World Cup or um, even losing a Champions League final, all these experiences are, are extraordinary. It's not for everybody. But for the club itself, you know, to, to win the, the League Cup with Middlesbrough where... They never won anything. I remember they lost four finals. This was the fifth final that they were going to play. I remember going on to the pitch in Cardiff because Wembley was being refurbished. Uh, what is it? 76,000 people. And I remember going on to the pitch with, of course, Gareth Southgate as our captain, the England manager now. And I said to all the guys, I said, listen, this is the moment. This is the moment to write history for, for us, for the club, for everybody. Because, I mean... Uh, you know that as a player, um, the opportunity to actually win something is 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 not always there. Uh, uh, even worse, <laughs> you must be really privileged to get the opportunity to uh, to win a trophy. Uh, and a final, there's only one way in a final, and that is to win it. Um, and in the end, I think we won the the League Cup, and it was the first trophy in 125 years. And maybe now it's 100. 45 years, I don't know how long it exactly was ago. Um, but that was special because we, we, had a good, we had a good group of players. Uh, we really gelled well together. We, 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 we would, we would uh, go out on the field as friends. We would do stuff together. It was, um, yeah, it was just a special day uh, and a special trophy. And of course, I would also um, uh, say... Uh, winning the league in 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 Barcelona uh, in '99 is special because uh, winning a cup is special, but that's also a shorter has a shorter track to it. Whereas if you win the league, it's um, it's a, a 38 games where you have to be the best. So that's that's also special, particularly in their centenary season. No, I loved the way you became uh, Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice there, and don't make me choose between my children. It was a good reference. Baudewijn uh, Senden, I hope I've done my best there for the correct Dutch pronunciation. You'll have heard this a thousand times before, but it's from the heart, from all of us. This has been a privilege. It's been huge fun. Um, you, you bring a, an awful lot to football beyond what you coach and how you played. It's a pleasure to speak to somebody so 
interesting and colourful and articulate. It's genuinely, it makes our life fun. Thank you from all of us very much for the generosity you've shown us. And PSP for the title. PSP for the Eredivisie title. Come on, let's go all the way. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.